0: Live, I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. This week, we're going to catch up with Superloop CEO, Paul Tyler. And we're also going to feature a sponsored interview with Telstra Satellite, specifically about the use of NBN satellite in business. But first up, Aussie Broadband CEO, Phil Britt. Aussie Broadband reported their fourth quarter results this week, and I caught up with Phil to discuss them. Sales were up 8% way above the industry average, and largely on the back of big wins in churning customers from other RSPs. I asked Phil
1: all about it. Yeah, so look, probably since um, late last year, um, we've been, well, yeah, it it probably stems back actually as far as September last year, but that that, um, new connect versus churn um, piece has been growing steadily um, to the point that now probably about, 90% 90% of the orders we process are actually churned from other RSPs yeah. um, and that more broadly is um, what what we're seeing in some of the stuff from NBN is just basically the market now but it has effectively hit peak NBN, um, mm. the number of new connections is fairly modest and so it's all down to now if providers want to grow, they've got to, um, I guess, have a, a more attractive proposition or a better service offering than... Than their competitors so
2: yeah
0: so so what specific drivers have you put in place to facilitate that churn is it, is it coming from advertising a like direct response to advertising or is it people just doing their own research
1: look like, ultimately kind of yeah yeah look ultimately we're not we're not trying to play a price game um, it's all about the, the quality of the experience and so all of our our marketing is geared around um that the Aussie experience is superior to, to other offers um, through the, the customer service, but then network performance. And so ultimately we play to, to that strength. That it's, it's about speed, it's about the customer experience ultimately, and that resonates with customers, so. Yeah,
0: okay. Okay, now in, in the quarter um, Aussie broadband also relaunched its uh, mobile product through yep. Optus. Um, you, you but a really strong increase um, in the services there. Can you, yeah. can you talk me a little bit through that and what your initial learnings are from the relaunch and where you expect the trajectory of that to go in, in coming months?
1: Look, ultimately, um, we found even when we were um, offering services under our previous agreements that uh, it's basically, the price is a key factor in the mobile space. Um, and so ultimately, we've found as we've been had a more, Attractive proposition in market that's then resonated with the customers, and so that's ultimately what's led to the uplift. Um, the, uh, the, the we also uh, because it's uh, a new network and that sort of thing, we've been offering customers the chance to, I guess, try the product for free for a couple of months, um, and that's so that they can confirm that the network coverage is up to their, their requirements and what their needs are, right. and um, and that's been a big part with the change to Optus. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay, great. Now moving on, you've got the fibre project um, to uh, connect to all seventy-eight b employees and twenty data centres. Um, yep. You're about looks like you're about a third of the way through it, but you've been a bit impacted by COVID there. So can you talk me through that and uh, what your recovery strategy is?
1: Yeah, look, it's um, certainly knocked us around initially in Victoria um, uh, last year and then now in New South Wales. But um, ultimately, um, we've probably got. At the moment, the impact is we just can't get technicians sort of out of their, their LGAs in New South Wales. But um, we think that will hopefully pass in the next month, maybe two. Um, and so what we're doing at the moment is sort of turning our attentions, I guess, to we're building in Western Australia and Queensland as well. Um, so we've turned our attentions into those areas um, and then we'll come back to, to New South Wales as we progress. So it's we've, we've sort of... Um, time to run on our existing agreements so um there's no sort of issue around supply or, or that sort of thing so um yeah we'll just we'll get them done when we can get them done and uh, yeah hopefully by the end of the year if not early next year they'll be they'll be complete hey,
0: uh, i bet you're watching those vaccination rates very closely <laughs> future, yeah.
1: it is it's yeah. it's that and uh just how quickly things move because I mean that's it's just driving all the all the metrics in the business really, whether it be C V C or whether it be not being able to have text move around it it all comes back to yeah, vaccination rates and, and lockdowns.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um and of course that, that impacts on your C B C purchases as, as well.
1: Um it does, it
0: does yeah. from MBA, And and you've you've given us some very illustrative commentary there on the impacts that has had on, on, on Aussie bulldoze of how it's impacted your interest rates. Now, you're, you're saying we, you saw demand increase 24.5% in one month. That's extraordinary. It seems to be a lot more than what NBN suggests
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the time um, our figure is in, in that specific New South Wales market, yes. whereas I think a lot of the time the other figures, they report a national increase. We sort of look at, well, CVC is... Driven on a national basis, um, we still look at it very much in the local markets because um, ultimately we're having to buy more capacity for those markets to to have them still getting the same experience. So, um, yeah, pleasing that NBN came to the table with with some relief, Um, but it still wasn't enough to fully uh, net off what our costs were in providing that
0: yeah and, and I, I guess from your point of view your cbc management is the, the difficulty is exacerbated by your high growth as well
1: it is yeah um but i mean that's that's why it t- where it ties back into the bot in that it knows how many new customers are coming on board each each day and each week and so on and so it adjusts the bandwidth dynamically based on customer growth and uh, usage growth
0: terrific thanks so much Phil. Your... yes yeah, thanks Graham. Okay. Finally took over Exetel this week. It's a $100 million acquisition of a Sydney ISP by a Brisbane one, albeit they are both very uh, national in terms of their focus. Our chief editor, Simon Ducks, caught up with the CEO of Superloop Paul Tyler and asked him if they'd found any surprises now Superloop had got the keys to the prize.
3: We haven't been surprised, which is the encouraging thing. You know, it is what we expected. We said great, uh, great opportunity across the, the two dimensions of Excel, both the consumer. Uh, dimension where we're able to bring the kind of the benefits of the super network, those high speed plans, the, you know, the, the great latency performance, all those sort of things, um, to the Exitel, uh, brand. Um, we're encouraged by what we're finding with the, on the business side, you know, Exitel built, built a great, um, market share there on, um, in, the, in particular on the SMB world, but, but also reaching a little bit larger businesses there. Yeah. And they both fit really well with our own consumer and, and business segments. So I think it's the lack of surprise that uh, is, is really encouraging. So as you know, the transaction was heavily underpinned by the network synergies. Yep. Things have been working really um, really well together. And, and so, yes, I would agree with the, sen- with the sentiment that um, it's probably running a little bit ahead of plan uh, in terms of uh, realising those network synergies and, and getting the traffic onto the, the Superloop network uh, and you know, getting a great, great sort of uh, customer experience outcome but also a great financial outcome that kind of underpins the transaction.
4: And part of the release uh, talked about uh, adding a little bit of regional uh, redundancy. Perhaps you can give it a little bit more flavour. Was there any specific reason why uh, Geraldton and Cairns were mentioned? And also they talked a tiny bit about metro areas. And obviously with that ASC going out today, it's a great day to be talking about um, redundancy.
3: Yeah, they're they're different things. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Excel transaction fits actually comfortably within the Superloop network without any need for additional capacity or or anything like that. But but separately, and, and, uh, you know, I think Bevan put out a blog a week ago or something like that, uh, where you can see that we are actually embarking on a resilience campaign. as well. We already have protected circuits all over the nation, but we actually want to go to the next level of resiliency and redundancy where we have uh, physically diverse fibres Uh, That are dual homed to different data centers to all the NBN points of interconnect. As an example, so that's a part of a broader resilience program around our whole network. But but as it pertains to NBN, yeah, we really are trying to increase that level of resilience. And you're right, fibre cuts, um, even on protected paths, uh, you can still have single points of failure. We were, we're trying to get away from all of that and have uh, you know, true resilience. Uh, and so not all NBN networks are created equal. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great um, enhancement of the super network. And uh, uh, of the
4: 121 uh, POIs, uh, how, how many are you at at the moment? Do, do you have that sort of figure to hand?
3: Oh, we're, we're in all we're oh, okay. So I think that program adds the physically diverse dual home gotcha. uh, strategy to 119 out of 121. But we're in all 121 points.
4: Gotcha. That makes sense. Simon, so, mean,
3: the, uh, the reference to Geraldton and Cairns was simply they were the points as far away from the central major metro areas you can find on the map. Gotcha. Uh, connecting to, so they they're, they're real, but they're sort of uh, dramatic rather than anything else. They're just a long way away from. Forever.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the reason I ask is obviously uh, we're keeping an eye on what's happening on the edge data center front uh, with uh, lots of those guys and girls rolling out uh, across the place. And uh, I was uh, potentially going to ask how much of an opportunity you see that for yourselves. Yeah,
3: we're not in, in the... Ho- um... In the hosting space, so yes, definitely working with a number of those edge players around servicing their their connectivity requirements. Um, but we're not trying to get into the uh, the, the DC hosting space. Uh, I think that's uh, more of a specialist business for others. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're, we're, uh, we see it as a great opportunity to continue to support them. We've got a lot of capacity, right? So that's some sort of the down the underlying. Uh, Challenge and opportunity that Superloop has, it's, it's a great network, there's a lot of capacity on the network and the strategy of the company is really just about uh, filling the network, which which is why we're sort of leading to transactions like uh, Exitel, uh, where, um, you know, it's M&A that's underpinned by network synergy as opposed to having to, you know, buy people and, and, and reduce headcount and things like that. It's, it's that network synergy that makes the whole thing stack up.
0: going to unpack some real-life examples of how Telstra is using the NBN satellite to bring the technology technology into play for customers where previously satellite might not have been a viable option for them. To talk about this, I'm joined by the Senior Solutions Specialist for Telstra, Ashley Grove. Hi, Ashley. Morning, Graham. Okay, well, let's kick off the discussion. Um, why should businesses consider satellite over other forms of connectivity?
2: Yeah, good question. I think for me, I'd typically break it down into three main reasons as to why customers should look for satellite. The first and the most common is that customers, wherever they may be located, they simply don't have any other option for connectivity. So satellite forms that prime option for them to get access to all their key business applications and services that they require. Um, Secondly, we, we find quite often that customers may have some form of access, but it just won't meet their prime requirements or it might won't sufficiently meet their needs for internet access. So satellite will be formed then, it'll come in and it'll produce, or provider should say, something that will give them regular bandwidth or an increase in bandwidth, which will help them meet their business needs. The, the third common option that I see for customers is that they might require something entirely separate or what we call off net to their current solutions. So they might have a really high requirement for uptime or reliability, So having a service which doesn't go through the local connectivity challenges or services, I should say, um, satellite does that and it meets that need for them.
0: Okay, so tell me more about the practicalities of satellite. So for example, how long does an installation
2: take? Yeah, good question as well. With satellite, there's there's a couple of key components that are required to, to set up. Obviously, there's some physical infrastructure and works that are required on a customer's site. And there's also some uh, bandwidth services and teleport services that are required to be set up. What we see, Graham, is typically some installations or most installations can take around about that 28 business days to set up. So compared to other services, terrestrial fibre laying, for example, getting a satellite service installed can be fairly quick. Okay. And in terms of logistics, can I access
0: it anywhere? I mean, obviously, by definition, a satellite signal is available all over the landmass. But actually having the the boots on the ground to install is a different question. So can I get a satellite solution pretty much anywhere I want?
2: You can. And look, NBN's business-grade internet product or business-grade satellite services product has recently gone through some expansions, which has made the prevalence or the the availability of NBN VISP um, across Australia um, a reliable uh, outcome for customers. So, yes, they can get it pretty well everywhere across Australia in a static installed fashion.
0: And, and does the, the end product look and feel like a standard internet product? Can I access my video, my voice, my applications as per normal?
2: You can, and that's with, with a slight caveat. But the typical ones that customers are looking at these days are so generic internet access, email services, um, common SaaS applications. For example, your Office 365 fleet of services, satellite internet via MBN business-grade services, is certainly achievable via NBN-VISP, and it works very, very well.
0: Okay. Now, I wanted to um, take a look at some examples of customers that Telstra is actually servicing with satellite technologies. And the first one is a mining customer. So can you tell me about the, um, I I guess, what they wanted and what solution did you provide for them?
2: Yeah, the the mining industry is a a real regular um, player or consumer of satellite services, I should say. And they consume it in a number of different fashions and for a number of different reasons, as as far as I can tell, or as far as customers tell us. Um, When when mining entities try to start up for the first time and when they're going through that construction phase or assessment phase, they require something fairly quick and they require something of a reasonable bandwidth to provide their construction workers and teams access to internet-based applications or connectivity services. Now, when they're in their very remote areas, getting mobile services or terrestrial fiber or copper-based services, is, is very, very uncommon because they are so far away from general populace. So getting a satellite link in there early during that construction phase is really important. Once they do get um, beyond that construction phase and they go into business as usual operations, they've typically got enough resources behind them to provide funds to build those more permanent services in there. So thinking maybe a, a microwave, a multi-hop microwave solution or a fiber service, and in many cases, sometimes customers would see then, okay, little well, time to switch off the satellite because I've got my primary link. However, in the mining game, I think Graham, they tend to keep the satellite service running to provide backup services or bandwidth augmentation. So to uplift the bandwidth that they may get from their fiber services or their microwave services, but also to provide an extra redundancy layer. Um, on top of all of those, some customers also like to have a total segmentation and mining is one of those where they like to keep their business grade services or their business applications on their primary link. But as we know, they have a lot of workers and staff that stay on site days in at a time. So what they typically like to do is offload their generic internet browsing and put that maybe at the secondary link being satellite and refer and keep that um, primary link for their um, for their core business applications. So they like to segment that traffic um, when they're going through their business as, as usual.
0: Okay. Now, actually, there's another example uh, we can discuss, which is quite a different one. And that's an SME. Um, Mm. So so people don't necessarily associate satellite usage with the smaller companies around. Give us the example of, of how an SME uses satellite technology.
2: Yeah, exactly. And look, SMEs, they've been operating where they are for, for many, many years, and, and these are the use cases that we see. And they may have enough bandwidth where they are in their remote location to support their business as usual operations. So They can support their day-to-day services. The prevalence of internet-based applications at the business layer is certainly growing. So they start to have to require increased accessibility to the internet. But a lot of them, and ones that we're talking about uh, at the moment, they may provide customer or contractor services so they've got a bit of a fluctuating requirement, Graham. So having a, 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 an increased workforce or contractor force or customers come on site and then start to consume their primary bandwidth, which may not be upgradable or it may not suit that um, fluctuation of bandwidth, they would typically require a secondary access that they can use permanently, but they can offload their internet traffic again from that local site. Um, and if they apply any Telstra smart switching or SD-WAN technologies on site, they can then start to do some smart routing from their location. So they can do some packet analysis, they can do some bandwidth performance monitoring and start to offload or direction their uh, data requirements at any particular link at any particular time. So it works really, really well for them as well.
0: Okay, well terrific stuff, Ashley. Thank you very much for the insights and for joining us today.
2: Pleasure, thanks Graham.
0: Well, that's it for Comms Day Live this week. That was a sponsored interview with Telstra Satellite. Thank you for your support, Telstra. We'll see you next time.